You're listening to Transparency Talk with Trustwell, a podcast discussing the latest trends in technology in the food and supplement industries, featuring conversations with regulatory experts, quality and safety champions, and thought leaders across the industry. The podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome to today's episode of Transparency Talk with Trustwell. My name is Katie Jones, and I am the Chief Customer Officer here at Trustwell. Today on the podcast, we're going to discuss the topic of cybersecurity in food technology. Last episode, we dove into the complex network of technology available to automate and streamline our interconnected food supply chain. We had a great conversation about uh, food temperatures and uh, the correlation between safety and how um, that interconnected food supply chain is so critical in this day and age. But now we're going to need to focus on another important piece of the puzzle, protecting that technology from cyber threats. Now, when you hear cybersecurity, you may be thinking about hackers and hoodies typing away code on a computer and trying to hack into bank accounts. Very real thing. Um, But what do cyber threats really look like in the food industry and how can they disrupt operations across the global supply chain? here to help us dive into the subject and explore the common misconceptions around security threats and what companies can do, we have Kristen DeMoranville. Kristen is the visionary founder and CEO of Anzen Sage, a cybersecurity firm focused on the food industry. With a quarter century in the tech sector, Kristen is pioneering a transformative approach by intertwining cybersecurity and food protection culture. You may have also watched her session at our recent Reconnect. Great session if you haven't had a chance to watch that on demand. Thank you so much for joining us, Kristen, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be back, actually, with the team. (laughs) Awesome. Well, um, let's kick it off with those myth-busting topics. So, uh, you know, what are some of the common myths you hear about in the industry that you think prevent food companies from, you know, maybe taking cybersecurity concerns seriously until, you know, unfortunately there's there's an issue? Um, And then what impact does that have on food safety programs? Sure. It's actually a really timely question because even this week I'm dealing with misinformation in the food industry with cybersecurity. A lot of people don't take it seriously because they do not understand it. And I think that that is just a common human flaw. We, if we don't sure. understand it, we don't think it's important. We don't bother with it. Um, but the problem I have is that people think cybersecurity attacks are strictly uh, only impacting a food factory if it is a remote attack. And that is not true. Um, it can be a, rem- uh, a physical assist, so like a cyber physical attack. So somebody goes in and does whatever needs to be done to basically flick, flip a switch, if you will, to allow access for the remote hacker. Also, too, if you think about it, if you circumvent access controls, so if you go into a room you're not supposed to be in, it technically that falls underneath security's purview as well. Physical security and cybersecurity are very much connected in a food industry. That's what we call it, cyber physical, um, because these devices, these different processes are connected to the Internet. And because people don't understand that and they just go, oh, well, the cyber attack is just a remote thing. So we're not going to worry about that because we're secure. Um, I love that people think that their company is secure, but everybody has a responsibility to raise those questions. Everybody has a responsibility to ask those questions, especially in their department. So if you're in a lab, if you work in food safety or defense, you should be meeting with these teams to understand what they're doing that impacts 
what you do and vice versa. Because cybersecurity isn't a separate thing anymore to food safety culture. It's included because we have complete access to these facilities. Um, and I, I've been saying recently that it's like IT, you kind of have these godlike cosmic powers, but you you know don't want to use them all because you can't, because then it would cause another problem. But we see everything, we touch everything, we're around everything. Just like sanitation, we have the ability to be everywhere in a facility. So as a food safety professional, wouldn't that kind of make you go, oh God, what are you touching? Mm-hmm. What are you near? What are you doing to my program? Are you even educated? So the biggest problem truly that people just don't take it seriously, full stop. Um, they think that it's not going to happen to us, which is hilarious because the media is just full of all these hacks, right? Whether it's the food industry or not, it's everywhere. We learned what ransomware is because of the media. You know, we understand that, that these things happen over and over again, and this is the new warfare. So I think that people are a little naive if they think it's not going to happen to their facility. It probably already has, and they may not even realize it yet. Because hackers are patient. They will wait and they will pull the trigger when they need it to be pulled. The thing that scares me is that naivety or that, um, I guess, optimal thinking, you know, or being optimistic um, is really dangerous because lives are at stake. It's not just the factory workers or the production workers or any of the staff that's around that. It's also the consumers. So now we're talking about brand reputation. We're talking about health. We're talking about, you know, illnesses and all this other stuff that could be caused just from one lack of a security control being considered and one vulnerability that was exploited. So that that's super frustrating to me that we haven't realized that it's a collaboration and it's an effort between all these groups to come together rather than just be like, eh, it's not our problem. We don't Mm. deal with that. I don't know what this is, so I'm not going to worry about it. I think as a food safety professional, it's your responsibility to completely understand how what your risk management process looks like within your company. That includes cybersecurity in order to have the best program that's safe and for everyone. Um, And I'm not calling any of the food safety people out or any of the food protection people out. They already know this. They're already working towards this. But the problem is, is that the industry hasn't caught up yet. Where cybersecurity is still like, ah, food is just a critical infrastructure. We'll get to it kind of feeling. Um, the people that are working there are working really hard, but it's not as sexy as like oil and gas or automotive, right? So, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because we all eat. Yes. I don't understand. <laughs> like, that's what frustrates me. Or even water's not even sexy enough for people to pay attention to, even though that mm-hmm. has had, already had hacks remotely and physically. Yeah. So, it's really, a, it's kind of a scary time out there, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, so let's... Um... Can you share some examples? Um, so maybe, you know, maybe you can't uh, you know, share the specifics, but, you know, I think it's helpful to understand um, through, you know, how companies maybe have learned, uh, you know, from not addressing the risks that they needed to. But, uh, you know, do you have any recent examples or case studies that might highlight these risks? Sure. So um, I think I think I'll speak from one in my own career, uh, I think, because that's personal and, and I can t- definitely talk about it. Um, I was working at a, a large company, it's a bakery company, I'm not going to name names, and they had a ransomware attack hit um, via phishing email. However, it was socially engineered so well that you knew that these particular individuals, these hackers, bad actors, whatever you want to call them, had spent a lot of time getting to know the corporate infrastructure because the email, the phish that was, that was created was 
um, very much in line with the personality of the vice president that it was supposedly being spoofed from. And he was notorious for being really difficult and very demanding. So okay. when this email went out to this individual to get an action to happen, which that unfortunate action did, and it led to some other things that I'm not going to discuss due to privacy, but it was it was not that person's fault necessarily that they didn't recognize it was a spoof because they did such a good job imitating this person. And in this particular food company, it caused one division to just, it was bad. Like it was bad. Um, And actually it's now they're still dealing with it even to this day, probably. It's very frustrating to me that we haven't realized that we need to talk about human emotions when it comes to different phishing emails, because ultimately that's what will lead to a ransomware attack. And people are like, oh, I'm not dumb. I don't fall for that. All those texts I get, all that email I get, I'm not stupid. I look at it. It just takes one emotional click for you Uh not to realize what it is. And if you're under pressure and you've got a very demanding person coming at you that you think is either your boss or your boss's boss or boss's boss, you are going to react to that um, because these people are socially engineering the moment. And I, I think that's the thing that scares me the most is it's not always about the tech. It's about the people around the tech. It's people in process always goes back to in a food in, in the food companies. People in process, industrial environments in general are just like that. Um, and if we cannot address the people issue, I'm not going to say issue necessarily, but I just did um, the people concerns, then we won't be able to actually prevent these attacks because again, the people have to buy in. The people have to understand. The people have to um, be critical, be curious about the emails that are coming through, mm-hmm. be curious about the things that are happening. Honestly, my best advice about that, because I'm sure you're going to ask, is if you do not know what it is or it seems sketchy to you or there's just some kind of flag that goes up or you will get really uncomfortable with it, delete the email. If it's important and it is something that needs to happen, they will get back to you. Either they will call you, they will message you. I don't know, carry a pigeon, smoke signal, something will happen where you will get contacted by that person. But the fact that you deleted it because you felt like it was potentially a phishing email, nobody's going to get mad at you at that. And if they do, you have the wrong leadership in there. And Mm -hmm. that's the frustration, right? Because people get scared that their job's going to be in jeopardy, especially as Americans, because we can get fired for anything. Um, We don't want to do the most to protect our company. But ultimately, again, at the end of the day, we're protecting human health, animal health, everybody else's health, the planet's health in these companies. So I think we have to kind of think bigger than ourselves. And I know that's a big ask because most people just want to go home, you know, and get a paycheck and live their lives. I don't care about the rest of humanity right now, but I I need people to think about that a little bit. Yeah. Now, you know, I think to your point, I think, especially in food safety, you do, you know, there's an underlying um, drive that you see, um, uh, you know, focused on on public health and wanting to do the right thing. And I think you're absolutely right that uh, making sure that leadership is supportive of that, uh, that curiosity to question, hey, is this legitimate, right, when you receive that request and just making sure that uh, um, you're not penalizing people, um, because, you know, people are not their best when they are operating under that fear, right, to your point. Um, on that topic of public health and and just consumer confidence in the food industry. We've talked a little bit about kind of the ways that a cyber attack could disrupt just sheer operations, right? But when you go that step further, how does it also impact public health that, um, 
you know, consumer confidence in the food supply chain? And, you know, what are the consequences of something like that happening? Sure. So kind of look at it as a timeline, right? Um, Again, remember, hackers are patient, they'll wait, they'll learn, and they'll adapt as they need to. And that's, that's, I think, the scariest part of it all is they're more patient than the rest of us. Um, They will, um, so, so let's say, hypothetically, that you had a peanut factory, right? Mm-hmm. And peanut dust isn't everything. Everybody knows, I mean, everybody in the food industry knows this, especially food safety, because allergens are a real problem, obviously. But because peanut dust and other peanut products are in practically every food we eat at this point, um, it's, it would be really difficult to recall back all of that if the peanuts were originally affected. And I know people are like, oh, Kristen, you're talking about that incident with the the bird poop and the rat poop at the peanut facility back in the day. I am actually, Um, because let's think about how easy it would be to mimic that in a different situation, right? I'm not saying that they release birds and rats necessarily into a factory, but if you could introduce a couple of things that would be questionable, that would be within measurable parameters and let go, it could actually poison the food supply. So this is the thing that scares me the most. It's not going to be the big thing. It's going to be the little things over time, the little switches, the little changes on the sensors, the little things that are added or taken away. What if you add just a little bit more into the, the cleaning process of certain things, more bleach, let's say, and it's just a little bit, little micro bits over time. And nobody notices it because the sensors aren't tuned to that, like actual like teeny weeny degree. Um, and I'm not saying that necessarily everybody needs to go fine tune their stuff right now, but let's think about that. We're not far away from that sci-fi feeling, right? We already have examples of that. There was a water treatment facility in Florida that had just a few adjustments made and it almost completely released to the public and into the agriculture cycle and into the water stream. And if they didn't catch it in time, that would have been devastating for that area. Now, these are the things that I think about and people are like, oh, it's such sci-fi. It's just so out of there. I can't believe you think like this. There's so many examples around the industry and we don't know actually if this has ever happened in the food industry yet because people don't talk, right? Because brand reputation and consumer confidence is key. Yes. And obviously we don't want to necessarily kill anybody, but nobody's going to talk about, oh, hey, we have this particular issue and da, 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 media takes it and runs all over the place with it. Cyber attacks and things like that are really held tight into companies. And that's something that I think needs to change. We need to deal with the shame up front because we're talking about humanity. We're talking about lives. This is not just like, oh, I lost some money. Oh, I lost some face. No, you you could have killed a child. Like, like let's get real or anybody. You know, I realize that's more extreme, but it's true. So if these little micro adjustments start happening on the line over time, and it could be, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months, Eventually, you're going to have a product that's not correct, right? And yes, it's going to be tested going out. But what if those particular controls and those measurements and those instruments were adjusted as well? Like I said, hackers take time to do these things. They'll learn the system and they'll continue to do it. What if you had an oven overheat and the building burned down? I mean, that's a problem, too. You're going to have a a regional issue at that point. Mm -hmm. But what about like other ransomwares that take out food supplies, meaning they can't move the trucks they can't get things to the grocery store. Um, everything that we have in the grocery store is basically created at this point or adjusted. It goes through a factory at some point, um, whether it's processed yeah, and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the if that was that distribution service was limited, 
and all that food spoiled, where does that food go? Or what if that food was damaged and spoiled too? How do we deal with that? How do we deal with the fact that the grocery stores are empty? We already saw what happened during the pandemic when grocery stores went empty. People acted like complete crazy people. Um, <laughs> imagine if that was disrupted on a large level, if somebody really wanted to hurt a particular nation, because we've seen examples that with that with the, the current wars. Um, that's scary stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just these little micro adjustments. And everybody's like, oh, God, well, how are we supposed to you know, prevent that from happening? Ultimately, you need to have stronger security posture, meaning good security strategy that focuses on people and process in your facility, understanding where your crown jewels are, you know, where what's the most important equipment in your building? Who are the most important people that work on that equipment? Are they third parties that come in and deal with that? Do they need remote access? What's connected to the internet? Are your people trained? Are they role specific trained? Are they sector specific trained? Does your food safety team, um, is your food safety team part of your change management process? So whenever you make a change, a patch or anything else that happens online, are they also involved in your meetings, including food, uh, food defense? Food defense should be sitting on those as well because they need to know if a change happened in the equipment that could potentially affect the food. So mm -hmm. it's all comes down to collaboration too. Yeah. And again, people are like, oh, this is so daunting. We already have a security thing and we have firewalls and we have all these things. Great. I'm glad you have all those things because that is wonderful. That's like 15 steps you don't have to worry about. However, you still need to audit that regularly. You still have to look at it. You still have to make sure it fits in line with all the new innovation and cool stuff that's happening at all times in the food industry because R&D is just busting out awesome things mm -hmm. these days. Yes. Like 3D printed salmon. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and I think I think people just need to take it back and like step back for a second and actually really look what is in our server room. What is that computer that's in a closet that's next to the broom? Because trust me, it's there. Why is the server room and the woman's bathroom? And I've been there before. I've seen that, too. Like there's like all these little things. Also, like how are they dealing with, you know, certain pests around technology? Um, I've talked about this many times. This is not a, a thing that it's new, but I've dealt with monkeys on cameras, you know, and things like yeah. that. Like, how is all this working? And is food safety need to be alerted that there's monkeys running all over the building? I would hope so. Like, right. you know, so those kind of like little things working together and having more of a food safety culture that includes all this tech, all this cool stuff that's helping the line produce faster and safely. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's not about the silos. And I think a lot of people think that cybersecurity just sits in this ivory tower and to a degree we do, but I'm definitely one of those people that's, <laughs> that's on the floor walking around, getting to know everybody. I want to know what your job is so I can help protect you and your job as well as whatever you're making. Um, it goes hand in hand. Um, and again, I think that the first step for you is really understanding what you have in your environment. Asset management is huge. And I know everybody's like, oh, God, I don't want to do that. But you know what? If you don't know what's in your house, how can you protect it, right? Yeah. How do you insure your house if you don't know what's in it? And and it goes back to all the things we do for our own home, you have to think about for your own business. You know, how do you keep the people safe and your things safe? And you want to be able to survive. The idea is to be resilient through the fire, the flood, the, the disasters. Um, and that's what's the most important is being resilient in the face of a cyber attack. It's not about preventing it anymore. It's going to freaking happen. However, how do you stay resilient and get through it so your, your brand is intact? You haven't killed anybody, whether it's an employee or a consumer. And then 
how do you actually get through that part and be stronger? Because now you know where your vulnerability is. Right. So we've gone through the proactive collaborative approach, some of the best practices in terms of asset um, assessment and understanding exactly, you know, where your risk points are at. Any last uh, strategies or best practices that you want to leave our listeners with? I would definitely say that the food safety people and the food protection people have to reach forward to their cyber Mm. teams and their Mm -hmm. IT teams. Um, Do not be afraid. I have coached some really amazing food defense people to be able to get those conversations and speak in a way that they know that it's the same language. Um, I think it's about that collaboration yet again. Uh, Training is paramount. It really is. People literally are the best asset. But I want to make something very clear. Anybody who walks into your particular production environment, whether it's a farm, a factory, I don't a distribution warehouse, a freezer, I don't care what it is, that human being is a risk. Full stop. They are always going to be a risk from the moment they step through your door, whether they're employee or not. And you need to start viewing it that way. I'm not saying that you're going to like attack them and like jump on them and do all these things. It's not that. But you need to understand that just because they sign the release at the door that says like, I don't, you know, I don't blame the company if I get hurt or, you know, I'm liable for things I do isn't necessarily going to help the situation. Yeah, sure. Later on it will because you can sue them or whatever. But you need to understand that they need to be and they need to have an escort. They need to somebody needs to watch them. You need to make sure that they're, you know, when they come in and out of the restroom, you see them using the hand soap outside, um, that kind of thing. I know that seems like really stupid, but like think about the small steps, the small type of steps that can be taken. Because everybody's always like, what's the silver bullet, Kristen? What's going to fix this for me? It's not. It's like doing the the next right thing over and over again, over and over again. Um, and I, again, I want to be clear that anyone who steps in your facility is a risk. Full stop. How do you manage that risk? Because they're human beings and they move, right? Mm -hmm. Managing assets to stay on the ground and don't go anywhere, a little bit easier if you think about it. Right. Because humans can trip over a network cable. They can do all kinds of things, right? But they're also the amazing responders of if when there's a fire, they can use a fire extinguisher, right? Use that kind of mentality. The food uh, protection teams, food safety teams, they are just need to continue to partner and partner and partner and keep pushing and keep pushing because ultimately they are the definitive factor of keeping everyone safe in that space. Mm-hmm. But it goes beyond that with the corporate culture needs to be one of safety and security. That food safety culture and cybersecurity are intertwined in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would make a company exceptionally strong, already seen it and very resilient getting through things because when a cyber attack does happen, Everybody just goes, okay, that happened. And then they can, they know exactly what they need to do in an incident response moment and they can push through and they can get through the end of it rather than taking weeks on weeks on weeks to deal with things. They actually are like, okay, we've got step-by-step plans. We're going to get through this quicker and then we'll be able to get the product back out the door for the customers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kristen, thank you so much for, for sharing your, your expertise, the real risk. Um, but also the the approaches and the strategies that companies can take. Um, and most of all, what I heard, the best thematic around just uh, collaboration and um, un- I think just removing, to your point, kind of, 
you know, the shame around it, uh, around something happening. Let's talk about it uh, when there is an issue, um, learning from um from issues from from you know when things happen and uh, and moving forward i really appreciate the time and the insight and uh, for being on the podcast kristen thanks it's been a pleasure thank you so much for tuning into transparency talk with trustwell where we explore the critical role of transparency in building trust and driving positive change in today's food chain thank you for listening to transparency talk with trustwell To learn more about Trustwell and its technology platform that connects product formulation, nutrition analysis, and compliant labeling with traceability, recall readiness, and supply chain transparency, please visit www.trustwell.com.